there's just some weeks and there's some times that you just know the Lord's given you something and it's fresh and it's from heaven and it's for us. And it's one of these days. And um, I want to make this abundantly clear. It's never about me. I'm just a messenger. I'm just hearing from heaven and bringing something from heaven. It's about you. It's about me, and it's about all of us finding victory in life in Jesus. So if you're taking notes today, um, I want you to title it Overcome, okay? We're going to talk about overcoming the darkness. We're going to talk about being overcomers in our life and living the victorious life that Jesus uh, wants uh, for us. But I want to start with something fun this morning. Is that okay? Is that okay? Okay, listen, you got to listen, come on. All right, come on, people, all right, listen. All right, let's, let's loosen up, we're, we're good, we're good. Jackie just, just brought down the house this morning. I mean, I mean, it's good, okay? Here we go, okay? Sunday school teacher begins her lesson with a question. Boys and girls, what do you know about God? A little boy raises his hand in the air and he says, well, we know that he's an artist and his name is Harold. She says, oh, really, how do you know these two things about God? He said, oh, you know, our Father, which does art in heaven, Harold, be his name. <laughs> yeah, you like that? You want one more? Okay, here we go. A little boy was overheard praying, okay? He said, Lord, if you can make me a better boy, then don't worry about it. I'm having a really good time just like I am. Oh, come on. Oh, Jesus, help us. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the word. We thank you for today. It's going to be a great day. In Jesus' name, everybody agree. Said, Amen. Amen. How many of you have ever felt the pain of trying to figure out where to go out to eat? Can I get an amen from everybody on that, okay? This is what happens in the Workmeister car, okay? We get into the car. And I look at my awesome wife, and I say, Jess, where would you like to eat? I'm deferring to you. You get the opportunity to make this great decision of where we're going to go eat tonight, okay? And she'll say this 100% of the time. Jeff, I don't care where we go. You just pick somewhere for us to go. So then I will say, well, I would love to go to Chipotle because I love Chipotle and I feel really good after I eat Chipotle. I feel like I've won in life because I haven't ate a greasy cheeseburger and I'm eating some chicken tacos. And I'll say, Jess, let's go to Chipotle. And she'll go, I don't really want to go to Chipotle. I don't, I don't, I'm so tired of Chipotle. And I'll say, but Jess, you told me that I got to pick. Well, you can pick, but just pick anywhere else other than Chipotle, Jeff. Okay, Jess, well, how about, how about we go to Bag of Nails? Because the kids eat free at Bag of Nails. Jeff, oh gosh, we go to Bag of Nails all the time. You can pick anywhere, just don't pick Chipotle or Bag of Nails, you know what I mean? And this goes on for about 15 minutes, and my son Michael, that's 12, is rolling his eyes because he's heard this conversation now thousands and thousands of times in his life. And it's painful, Correct? And it's amazing all the different emotions that we can feel just trying to figure out where we're going to eat. Number one, we're hungry, okay? You ever been hungry? You know what I mean? You're, some of you are like, yeah, I'm hungry right now in Jesus' name, okay? And then you get frustrated because you can't figure out where to go. And then you get angry. Somehow, 
a conversation about food ends up in another conversation about marriage. And you're like, how did we go from food to marriage in one conversation to the place where you're just finally, you're driving and you're like bewildered. You're like, God, just send one new place to eat. Lord, if there's just one place on the earth and we live in America and we have thousands of choices. But the reality is this, is that human emotions are fickle. We're fickle people. One minute, I want Chipotle. The next minute, I want a greasy cheeseburger from five guys. Amen for that. Amen, okay? We're fickle people. And then when we add, we take our fickle nature and we add what the Bible says is the accuser of the brethren. We take the devil and his schemes and his plans for our life and we put those two things together. We end up looking like a lot of people that don't know what victory really looks like. You know, I know the problem in the church is we don't have victory Because the moment we get victory in our life, people go, I want that. I need that. That is different than my life. That is different than my day today. I hate my day today, but you love your day today, and I want to love my day today. I want victory. I want life. But it's hard sometimes to be overcomers because we have fickle emotions And we have an enemy that is fighting us. Now, I'm going to rip through a lot of scripture today. I'm going to tell you right now, okay? If you can, just write down the reference. Go back and read it this week because I'm going to rip through a lot of scripture. We're going to have it on the screen uh, for you today. And I'm going to try to not go too fast, but there's a lot to get through that the Lord had in store. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, it says this, But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from evil things. Pursue righteousness, godly life, faith, love, persistence, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Hold tight to eternal life, which God has called you to. Verse 14, and then you obey this commandment without wavering. And no one will be able to find fault against you until Jesus Christ comes back. Paul is teaching a young man, Timothy. He's telling him something, and he's telling all of us something really key today. He's saying, listen, you're in a fight. And it's called the fight of faith. It's called the fight for your future. It's called the fight for your future for your kids and their kids and the generations to come. We're in a fight And the reality is, when you get into a fight, you got to figure out, what are the rules of engagement in this fight? Because not all fights are fair. I learned this growing up. I'll never forget, one day, me and my brother got into a fight, and I walked upstairs, and I walked into my bedroom, and my brother had taken his mattress off of his bed and now hit me with the mattress and knocked me over with the mattress and then jumped on top of the mattress, okay? At that moment, I realized we had reached a new level of fighting, okay? Everything was on the table, correct? I remember another day, me and uh, one, another one of my brothers got into this epic fight and our parents weren't there because we never fought when our parents were there because fighting was not allowed in our house. I mean, it was, that was like, you know, terrible, terrible sin, okay? 
And I remember he ran outside. We were arguing and fighting and hitting, and he ran outside. And so I thought, I'm going to go get him. I'm going to smack him good. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's going to get it good. And it's the middle of the night, and we live on an old farmhouse, and we have a gravel driveway, and he has climbed a tree, and he has a pile of rocks, and he is whipping me with rocks in the middle of the dark. At that point, I realized, all gloves are off. I'm in a fight. Now, I don't know where you come from. I don't believe in fair fights. If I got a stand, if I got a light, if I got a microphone, hey, it's on like Donkey Kong, people, okay? We're going to do this, okay? But the reality is we are in a fight. We're not fighting each other. We're fighting an enemy that is out and he is ruthlessly pursuing your life, my life. John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said this, I told you these things, that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. What is Jesus saying? On this earth, you're going to be in a fight. There's going to be days where you're going to have to fight with faith. There's going to be days where you're going to have to stand up and use the word of God for your weapon because you're in a fight. But then he says, take heart because I have overcome the world. We have an overcomer. His name is Jesus. We serve Jesus. So if I'm connected to Jesus, what does that mean? If Jesus overcomes, then I overcome. If Jesus is victory, I have victory. If Jesus is leading me, he's leading me to green pastures where I can have victory in life in Jesus' name. That's what Jesus has called. But how do we overcome? How do we find a place to overcome? I wrote this down because I didn't want to mess it up, okay? I'm going to just read it for you. Satan's main goal is to blind the minds of the unbelievers so that they don't realize that Jesus is Lord. So when you ask yourself, what's going on in our world? I, I had to get new tires on my car the other day, and I mean, that's basically like going to hell, people. I mean, I mean let's just be honest, okay? I mean... I mean, I waited three and a half hours for them to put four tires on my car, okay? And um, I met a man, and uh, this man was 79 years old, and, and we talked for three hours. It was... It was great. His wife just passed away of ALS. And he looked at me with such a sincere heart. And he said, son, what's going on with America? What's going on with your generation? What's happening? What's happening is the enemy is just blinding people's eyes. That's it. He's just blinding. He's trying so hard to blind a generation to not see that Jesus really is Lord of Lords. To not see that you really will stand before him someday. To not see that he is the king of your heart. He's working overtime to blind the eyes. But then I wrote this down. A person who has confessed that Jesus is their Lord, like many of us in this room here today, 
Satan's next goal is to paralyze the effectiveness of your life. He wants you to be ineffective believers in him. By seeking to destroy their faith, causing them to doubt the validity of their own salvation. How many of you have questioned your own salvation at times? I know I have. To question the Bible. How many times have you had a situation come up in your life and you go, man, is the Bible true? To question facts of faith. So we got to learn some things. Number one thing we got to learn is this. We got to learn how to discern Satan and his schemes. We got to learn to be discerning of his schemes and how he works in our lives. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says this, Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Can I get an amen on that? Just be strong in the Lord, not in yourself, in your ideals, in your agenda. Be strong in the Lord and who he is. Put on the armor of God that you'll be able to stand against the strategies of the devil. The enemy is scheming against your life and my life. Verse 12, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies or against evil rulers or authorities of the unseen world. We're fighting against mighty powers of a dark world, against evil spirits and heavenly places. Listen, there's a very unseen world that is very real. Look, Christina asked me yesterday, we had a baseball game, and she said to me, she said, you having a bad day? I said, yeah, I'm having a bad day. (laughs) I'm just not happy today. She said, well, why aren't you happy? I said, you know, me and Justin just had a long week. If you're married, you understand. Can I get an amen on that? You just have those weeks sometimes. So how do we take Ephesians 6 and apply it to real world? It's like this. I'm not fighting my wife. My wife is not fighting me. We are fighting a demonic realm that hates when me and my wife are unified, because when me and my wife are unified, there is nothing we can, can't do for the kingdom of God. When you are unified with your spouse, there is nothing you can't do for the kingdom of God. It is, doesn't just apply to me and my wife. It applies to you. When, when you are connected to the Lord, maybe you're not married. I understand that, but when you are connected and you are good and you are solid with the Lord, there is nothing you can't do for the Lord. So we have a world that is fighting tooth and nail to discourage us, to destroy our faith, to destroy our trust, to take us away from this amazing book. I can't tell you how this book has just been so rich, and it's almost like I'm reading it for the first time again. It's just like, it's so rich to me right now. And it feels so good to my soul. It's life. It's a life that you can't get from a binge fest on, on Netflix or social media. It's a life that can only come from Jesus. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 through 8 says, In the same way, 
You that are young, you must accept authority of the elders. And all of you, dress yourself in humility, okay, as you relate to one another. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to those who are humble to him. Verse 6, so humble yourself. Again, there's that word under the mighty power. God's mighty power. Humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And this is where it breaks it down. Verse 8, stay alert. Watch out your great enemy, the devil. Did you see that? Stay alert. Watch out your great enemy. He names him who? The devil. He is prowling around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Okay? Now, I want you to see something here, okay? It doesn't say that the enemy is a lion. He's not a lion. He's a wimp. Jesus defeated him. When Jesus went to the cross and he said it was finished, all the authority was given to Jesus because he was victorious. So the enemy looks for those who are what? Weak. If you study lions, okay? Lions don't pursue the healthy animals Lions pursue those who are weak and feeble. So the enemy is looking for weak and feeble Christians. Those who don't know the word of God. Those who don't know the presence of God. Those who don't have understanding of who he is so that he can pounce on them. So the Bible says, stay alert. Watch out. You got an enemy that doesn't like you. But it didn't say that that enemy was going to overcome you, right? It didn't say that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10, it says this, For the accuser of the brother and sister has been thrown down to earth. The accuser, the one who accuses before God day and night. He tells you every single day who you are not. Every day when you wake up, he tells you what you're not. But you know what the word of God tells you? Who you are. The word of God says, this is who you are. You are strong. You were wonderfully, beautifully created for such a time and a purpose as this. You are on the earth. I don't care how young or old you are in this room here today. You are on the earth for such a time as this. There's a purpose and a plan, and there's a reason why you are on the earth. So the enemy goes, and he comes, and he accuses you. He reminds you of your past. He reminds you of your failures. He reminds you of your weaknesses. He reminds you of everything that you're not, because that's the only power he possesses. Let me make that abundantly clear. He only has the power to lie. But the question is, are we believing these lies? Are we ingesting these lies into our soul, into our brains? Are we taking them in and then letting that lie make our identity? Or do we take the word of God and go, no, this is truth and this is life. And I'm going to digest this word and I'm going to take it in and I'm going to let that become my identity. I'm going to let it become who I am. 
He has no power. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, it says this. I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit is so key to discern what is truth and what is good and what is right. We live in a day and an age and a time, and the Bible said this would happen, that we would take what was good and we would turn it to evil, and we would take what is evil and we would turn it to good. The enemy is manipulating our world. In Jesus' name. Sorry, it got, got tied up there. He's deceiving us. We have to have the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, verse 38 says, You know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with his power, and Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. What does that mean? Some of us are oppressed by the enemy. We're oppressed in our thoughts. We're oppressed in our spirit. And I'm not free of this. I wake up on Monday morning, and I get in the car, and the enemy is right there. He hates who I am. He hates the faith in me. He hates the truth that I preach. He wants to accuse me. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, Monday mornings, I replay the whole entire service through my mind. And let me tell you, the enemy makes it really clear every mistake that I make. He's an accuser. He oppresses us. Mark chapter 4, verse 15, it says this, that the seed fell on the footpath, that those who, uh, foot on footpath and re represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come and take it away at once. He steals truth. This is our enemy. This is who he is. Luke chapter 22, verse 31, says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Listen, can we just be real? There's going to be times that you and I are going to think or believe that God has let us down. Right? Do you really think it's our God? our great God, or do you think it's an enemy that wants to sift your faith right out of you? Wants to sift truth right out of you. Wants you to question your salvation, question faith, question, does God really heal? Does God really, is he really good? He wants to sift us. But we gotta understand something, okay? And the truth is this, that Jesus defeated the devil. Jesus defeated the devil. Jesus defeated the devil. And Jesus is the one that I serve. So I serve the one who is one and is victorious. So if he's victorious, what does that mean? I'm victorious. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says this. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. And I love, I love how he words that. Those who keep on sinning, 
That brings so much hope to my soul, okay? I mean, seriously, because I make mistakes all the time. Can I get an amen on that? I am not free of mistakes, but I'm, I don't have a soul and a spirit that goes, yeah, I just want to keep sinning. That's the difference between a believer in Christ and an unbeliever. An unbeliever just goes, whatever, who cares? Life is life, case ra, say ra, I can do what I want. But a believer goes, no, I'm trying to live this life of faith. And even though I fall down, thank God for grace. Thank God for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for your, for your healing, restoration power. And it goes on to say this, who's been sinning from the beginning, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came to destroy his kingdom, to destroy his works that has no power. So when we trust in the Lord and we trust in the word, guess what? A new power, a new strength fills our souls. And that's where victory comes. That's when I look at my life and I go, I don't have to be that roid rage guy that drives all the time and curses out the window at people in Jesus' name. I can have victory. I can live a life of victory. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 says this, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. Let me say this. We're going to do some baptisms this summer in July. So if you've never been baptized and you want to get baptized, we're going to baptize. I don't know which Sunday yet, but we're going to pick a Sunday, and we're going to baptize right out there in that parking lot, and it's going to be awesome, okay? For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you've been raised to life, a new life, because you have trusted, again, this word, the mighty power of God who has raised Christ from the dead. Verse 13, you were dead because of your sin, because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But God made you alive in Christ when he forgave you of all of your sins. So any of us in here today that believes and trusts the Lord, guess what? You are free of sin. Amen. You are free. You have no guilt. You have no shame. Every day when you wake up, every day Matt Brown wakes up, he goes, that is my beloved son that I am well pleased with. No guilt, no shame, grace, mercy, love. Man, I don't know if that gets you excited, but it gets my soul excited. Verse 14, he canceled the records. Canceled the records. Meaning this, that the enemy had a rap sheet against you. You go into a court of law and they have a rap sheet against you? I mean, come on. If I, if I steal a car and I go in, I go, Judge, I'm sorry, I really didn't steal the car. Well, sure you didn't steal the car, but everything proves that you stole the car. But that's the reality is that the enemy has this rap sheet of all these mistakes that we've done, and we've really done them. We've really done them. But the grace of God and the blood of Jesus, that's why the blood of Jesus was so precious. The enemy didn't know what he was doing when he spilled the blood of Jesus. When the blood of Jesus was spilled, it cleansed all, all of that record of wrong against you, the charges against you, by taking it, by taking the nails and the cross, verse 15. In this way, he disarmed. Have you ever seen somebody disarm somebody that has a gun? And you're like, oh my gosh, he just took that gun from that guy. That's incredible. Anytime that happens in a movie, I'm like, yes, get the gun. Bible says that he disarmed him. So 
If he disarmed him, what did he, what did he take away? He took away all of his authority, all of his power. He disarmed the enemy and the spiritual rules, rulers and those authorities, and he shamed them publicly. Shamed them. So when the enemy comes and he shames you and he brings guilt and condemnation upon you, you know what you do? You go, guess what? I'm going to shame you right back, you punk. I'm bought by a price. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of the Most High. Jesus died on the cross for me. He has forgiven me past, present, future. I have a future in him. My future is not in you. My future is in him and what he says about me and my life. So you just shame him right back. Throw it back on him. Worship team, you can come on up. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, it says this, that they raised Christ from the dead and they seated him in a place of honor next to the right hand of the Father. The right hand of the Father represents blessing. The right hand of the Father represents authority. This is where Jesus is seated. The right hand of the Father in heavenly realms, now he is far above any ruler or authority or power, anything in this world in the world to come. Verse 22. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and he's made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Listen, this church isn't the speaker. This church isn't this light. This, this church isn't a scream. This church isn't these chairs. The church is you. You're the church. And Jesus did all this for who? For you. So that you could have authority. So that you could be overcomers in this world. So that you could trust in the mighty power of Jesus. That he would give you the strength. That he would give you the grace. That he would give you the power to overcome this world when the world is trying to overcome you. This is what he's done for you. He's called us to be overcomers. The greatest form of evangelism, and I really truly believe this, is those who live in freedom in Jesus. Because when you find freedom in Jesus, you can't help but to go, hey, I want you to taste what I've tasted. You've never tasted this before. And the Lord spoke so clearly to my heart this week. I was just in my office and I was just worshiping, just praising Jesus. I, I closed the blind. I turned off all the lights. I just, I just let it get real, just fade everything away. And I love it. And the reason I love it is because I love intimacy. I love intimacy intimacy. I love relationship. That's why I hug people so much, okay? And if it makes you feel awkward, I'm sorry, but I'm a hugger, okay? I like to hug, all right? Because I love intimacy, and I, and I crave, I crave intimacy with God. 
I crave his presence. I crave his voice. I crave when he speaks over my life and he reminds me of who I am. My soul craves it. Why do I crave it? Because God wants you to crave it. I'm just a, I'm just that conduit. I'm just a conduit to go, hey, come on. You can all experience the intimate parts of God where you know who you are in him. And you walk in victory. And you walk in life. And you walk and you become an overcomer. Amen. Stand on up with me today. We're gonna we're gonna continue to worship the Lord. And I want to do this, okay? And and I'm 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 gonna make this abundantly clear. I am right there with you when I say this. If any of you say, you know what, I'm struggling in any area of my life, any area of my life to find victory. I don't care what it is, okay? I'm not too prideful to say that I don't struggle. I struggle. Sorry, Matt. Here, give me my Bible. Go ahead. Luke 6, verse 20. Jesus turned to the disciples and he said to them, God blesses those who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, do I have to be poor? Are we, are we talking about financially? Do I, do I need to give it all away to inherit the kingdom of God? What does this mean, Lord? And this is what I wrote down. He said, no, it's, it's those who acknowledge their inadequacies and their weaknesses, and they turn to God for strength. Those who acknowledge, man, I'm weak. Those who acknowledge that I have inadequacies, but I turn my eyes on Jesus, and I go, I need you. I need your mighty power. And when we do that, he goes, yeah, son, daughter, it is yours. It is freely yours. So why are we about to worship? Because worshiping says, I need Jesus. Worshiping says that I'm letting go of my pride, my ego, my strength, what I can do. And I am humbling myself to the Lord and going, Lord, I need you, and I need you, and I need you, and I need more of you, and I need more of you, and I need more of you, and I can't get enough of you, Jesus. And then guess what happens? We inherit the kingdom of God. And what is in the kingdom of God? Health, life, healing, restoration, blessing, favor, increase. That's what's in the kingdom of God. And it's freely yours. It's freely yours. Let's come on. Let's worship today.